Blog Talk Radio. from Montana. Welcome to my new program, News from the Mountain. I'm author and wildlife artist Nancy Quinn. I'll be taking your calls tonight. The number is 516-387-1756. I'm happy to answer your questions. And we'll be chatting about funny animal stories, a little Western history, some book recommendations, and most anything else that's on your mind. So don't be shy. Feel welcome to call in. Well, let me get started with a couple of updates. Well, actually, I've got some calls coming in, and I'm getting a few coming in. So let's get started with those. Let me take our first caller. Hello, caller. You're on the air with Nancy. Hey, Nancy. How are you doing tonight? Hi, hi. Introduce yourself to everybody and tell us who you are and where you're from. Randall Crane, Alabama, Alabama. Hello, Randall. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. You? Oh, excellent. I'm doing just excellent. we got a lot of fun things to talk about tonight. Um, let me bring in another caller who's on the line, okay. and then uh, I can chat with you if you have a question or something. So hang on a second here. Okay. And... Hello, caller. Welcome in. Caller with the 253 area code? Oh, this is Kathy Packer. Hello, Kathy. How wonderful. How are you doing tonight? Good. I wanted to hear what you had to say about creativity tonight, so I decided to call in. Oh, well, wonderful. I've also got Randall on the line. And so I'm going to go through just a couple of updates, and then we're going to get on to talking about some creativity, because I did get a couple of questions about it, and I thought it would be really, really fun to talk about it. And I have some inspiring suggestions, actually. So thanks. Thanks for calling in. Um, Randall, was there something specific that you had on your mind tonight, or did you just want to kind of chat with us? Uh, just kind of chat, chat, and listen in. Okay, wonderful. Well, then let me get started with a couple of updates. And first of all, I don't know if you all had seen it, but I did put out a really fun contest through my uh, social media to subscribe to my YouTube channel. And if you do, I'm going to drop your name in my cowboy hat to win a silver bookmark. And The bookmarks are really pretty. They're my own design, and I actually cast them. This one was cast in nickel silver, and it's a horse. So I have a whole collection of them, but if you do enter the contest, you're eligible to win one, and the drawing is June 8th. So that's kind of exciting. And, oh, I have another caller. Let me pop them in real quick before I move on to my other updates. Hello, 
Hello, caller. You're on the air with Nancy. Hi. Oh, I'm having a hard time hearing you. Hi, my name is Rachel Adams. Okay, I, I'm I'm sorry. I only caught part of that. I heard hello, but then you faded out again. What was your name? My name is Rachel Adams. Oh, Rachel. Okay. Hi, Rachel. How are you tonight? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing just fine. Where are you calling from? North Carolina. Oh, that's lovely. I've been there before. Yeah, it's beautiful. A little rainy today, but it's beautiful. Well, good. Is there something special on your mind, Rachel, or did you just kind of call in to listen to the show and chat a while? Yep, I just called to listen to the show and chat a while. And my husband, Billy's here with me. Oh, excellent. Well, say hello. Hi, Billy. How are you? Hi, Billy. Hey, Nancy. How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Thanks for calling in tonight. Yes. Well, I see that I actually had another caller just pop in, so let me get a hold of them and invite them in, too. All right. There we go. Hello, caller. You're on the air with Nancy. How are you tonight? Hello. How are you? Well, I'm just fine. Can you introduce yourself and tell us where you're from? Are you still there? Yes. Well, I may have lost one of my callers. I don't know. Caller, oh, no. Yeah, I may have lost him. I'm trying to get him. Well, we'll see if he calls back. I'm again. back. Oh, yep, you're back? I'm back. Yay. Yep. Okay. Can you tell me who you are and where you're calling from? Uh, James, and I'm calling from Tacoma, Washington. Oh, okay, James. How are you? Really good. How are you? Oh, I'm just fine. Was there something special on your mind, or did you just call in to chat with the program? Um, I was kind of curious to see what your best experience of Montana was since you've been living there. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one put me on the spot here. Let me think. My best experience was... Yep. You know, to be honest, there have been so many of them. I think probably the thing I enjoy the most is having so much of nature and wildlife and all the animals that come through my front yard. It's yeah, it's not, not like New really York, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a really amazing kind of experience. And I've lived in a lot of places, but I've never had the amount of wildlife come through, you know, the, the grizzly bears, the moose, the, the elk, the wolves. Uh, there's so much here, and I get to see it almost on a daily basis because usually somebody's stopping by to, to say something or do something or steal something <laughs> or cause some kind of trouble. But I really think that that's the best thing about living in Montana. There's, there's a flip side, too, honestly. Uh, so the winters are pretty brutal, and they're very long, and so it is kind of difficult to get through that sometimes. There are nights when the wind is howling, and I'm under uh, two feet of snow, and I think, okay, why did I decide to do this again? But <laughs> the truth is, 
truth is, I think uh, the very unique kind of, of wildlife and animals is what makes Montana really special for me. Um, so, yeah, I hope that answered your question. Yeah, good. Let me get on to some other news for a few minutes, and then we'll get into the questions and talk about some other things and our, our creativity question, because that one's the one I think I can be the most helpful with. I did want to let you all know that I will be in Bozeman, Montana, at the Barnes & Noble Bookstore on Saturday, June the 23rd. Now, I know you all can't come to Bozeman, but maybe someone listening can can make it. We're having a celebration. They're, the store is actually hosting a party for me because my first book won the Will Rogers Book Award. And wow. so we're you know, the cafe, which is, yay, I know, it's pretty exciting, and we'll have coffee sampling, and I'll be signing books and giving away little prizes and stuff. So I just wanted to make everybody aware of that. And then I also have something really neat coming up. I have a live radio interview on a program called Voices of the West uh-huh. on Saturday, July the 13th. So that's kind of exciting for me, and I won't be hosting that show, but I'll actually be interviewed on it, and so that's really fun, and you guys can listen to that one. I'll make sure you get the links. So let's start with that one. I've got a couple questions here, but let's start with the first one I think you all are most interested in, and that was my question that came in about writing, and it came in from from Joel in Minnesota, and he wrote, our winters are long, too, and when I sit down to write, I feel like I spend a lot of time facing a blank page and just feeling intimidated. So what advice do you have? So I don't know. Are any of you into doing, you know, the more of the creative arts, things like writing or painting or or things like that where you end up facing a blank page? Nope, that's a car motor nope. thing. <laughs> okay, so that's just kind of my thing. Okay, well, I have to say that I have felt exactly the same way. And sometimes when I look at a big blank canvas or I sit down and I'm working on my book, that blank screen comes up or I look at it and I think, oh, okay, how, you know, what am I going to do to fill that? So these are the tricks that really help me. And the first thing I think about is, what is my motivation to write? And I know it sounds a little cliche, but it's really important to clarify in your mind why, you know, why am I writing or why am I painting or why am I doing anything creative? Is it just for me? Am I writing in a journal where, heaven forbid, anybody should see it? I don't want anyone to know. Or... Yeah, <laughs> probably we've all been there at one point. Or yeah. am I writing to share just with my friends or if I'm, you know, writing just for fun, for my own enjoyment? Or am I trying to get on the New York Times bestseller list? So I think once you kind of nail down why I'm doing it, then you can also find some motivation in it because, of course, if it's just, you know, if it's just for you, then it's very private. But if you're writing for other people, then you want to think about what is the message that I want to give them? What, what do I want to share with them? What do I want them to feel? What do I want them to know? 
know, why would, why would I want to share this with somebody? And so then you start asking yourself questions like that, and you can kind of, kind of, you know, clarify that in your mind. Then your inspiration is going to come, and you'd be surprised. It's going to strike, and it's going to come really quickly. Because I have personally found that every creative endeavor has an intent. Um, for example, when I write my book, I have kind of a message that I want to, to tell. And it's, the message is, is reflected in the cover of the book, which is a rainbow. I personally think it represents hope. I know it represents other things to other people, but it's always meant something very hopeful for me. And hope is a recurring theme throughout my book, um, you know, along with having some type of perseverance and, and the need to cultivate a, a humorous perspective. You know, personally, I think dreams don't really come true unless there's a continual effort on our part, and, and even though we may fail or encounter hardship, um, there's a great success if you keep trying again and again, and, and humor helps, you know, keeping your sense of humor. So even if there's tragedy and despair in life, which there is, we've all had it, you, you can't let it drag you down. And I want people to find my books uplifting, and that is my primary goal. So when I sit down to do something to write then that's the first thing that comes to my mind is what is, the, what is the goal of this chapter? Is it overall inspiring or is it humorous? Am I trying to get you to laugh? You know, what is it? So apparently I've been talking too much and I missed a call that came in, so let me answer this one really quick. This poor person's waiting. <laughs> Gee, Nancy, you talk too much on talk radio. <laughs> let me see. Okay, there we go. Hi, caller. Sorry to make you wait a moment. Tell me who you are and introduce yourself and tell me where you're calling from. This is Cherokee Wolf calling from Ohio. How are you doing? Hello. Hello. How are you in Ohio? <laughs> okay. I couldn't okay? find the number and I couldn't get in any other way, so I backtracked through my phone and <laughs> my oh, phone well, calls glad. and found you that way. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad that you did find it. We were just kind of getting started with discussing a little bit about a question that came in from somebody about kind of creativity and how to get started with the idea of not being intimidated by looking at a blank page and trying to figure out how how do I know what to write or what should I find of a, of a subject or something. So um, I don't know. Is Do any of you guys have something that that you use or maybe an idea that you could share about when you sit down to do something creative, what you do, because creativity comes in all forms. You don't necessarily have to be writing a book or doing a piece of art. It can be planning your garden or it can be planning a, a menu or, I don't know, what do, you, what do you think? Anyone has something to offer? You just get an idea in your head and you're in with it. <laughs> okay, that works too. A lot of people don't have to be overly organized like my brain is. They just kind of get an idea and, and let it go. Um, it's, you know, different people are going to respond to different ways, probably because I'm an uh, um, let me Let me try to get that word out. I'm an artist. <laughs> I, t 
<laughs> the artist and author both start with A, so have mercy on me. Um, being an artist, I see everything very visually, so I tend to respond to that kind of thing and, and have to kind of see it all in my head, whereas other people, they kind of laugh at me and they say, my goodness, if I tried to picture all that in my head, it would take me way too long because I don't think that way. You know, I, I think in a different way. So it's, it's just a good idea to sit down and do what makes you feel comfortable. A lot of times I'll sit down with a cup of tea and, and, and try to relax. That helps me to become more creative. Um, I happen to get inspired sometimes by music or sometimes I want it quiet. So there's, there's a lot of suggestions you can do with, with trying to find something to spark your creativity. So hopefully that kind of helped uh, help Joel and in Minnesota and maybe some of you too to, to find a way That's to... That's kind of what I do. Take a is that what you do? Or do you have something yeah, similar? Yeah, Just sit and think about it for a little bit, and plan your plan your little way you're going to do it, and then go out there and do it. <laughs> so it just sort of comes to you when you get started. That's actually an excellent point, James, because sometimes when you're, you know, when you're kind of stuck in the middle of it, sometimes you just have to do it. You just have to pick up that tool, or you have to pick up that pencil, or you have to pick up, you know, your paintbrush or just start typing. Sometimes the only way to really get yourself going is to jump in. And so that's actually a really excellent point. Yeah. Sometimes when you do that, like when you're writing and stuff, you might not even be writing what you're supposed to be writing, but you just write down what comes to your mind. And then after a little bit, it just kind of turns into a whole theme where you fill it all out and go, okay, well, that wasn't really what I planned, but it works out fine. You're That's right. You're advice. right again. Yeah. That's a really excellent point. I agree. Point because you agree? Oh, good. <laughs> uh, because sometimes you do have to just sort of let that creativity come out, and um, it may not be exactly what you thought it would be. So I think they're called something like a happy accident, or maybe sometimes you haven't planned to that point. But yes, it's. It can be very exciting to find out what happens when you just let your mind go and, and see where it takes us. So hopefully that helped Joel, and hopefully that helped some of you, because I thought that was kind of a really interesting question, and I'm always excited to get the questions. Oh, before I go on to the next one, I did want to mention Cherokee Wolf. I, I'm glad you called in because I had a note here. And I remember on one of the earlier shows that you put out a challenge to come up with new nicknames for me. And uh-huh. that was, a, I think it was a couple of months ago. Do you know a couple of people did send them in? That's great. Yeah. Don't, you have, a, a, don't you have something okay. to bake with a little apron that says Queen of, Queen of Montana? The Montana Queen, <laughs> yes. Actually, yeah. someone sent that to me, and it was so sweet. And I had two um, – actually, I thought the Montana Queen was really apropos because did you all know that Helena is known as the Queen City of the Rockies? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I did not. Isn't that neat? Yeah, it's, uh, that's the name for the town that, although I don't live in Helena, it's about the closest one I can claim. 
But uh, <laughs> the two that came in, one one gentleman wrote in Angel of the Airwaves, and then said Montana Woman Friend. So I thought those were very flattering, and I'm glad you called Cherokee Wolf because I wanted to pass that on to you. Sure. Now I did have, let's see what else I've got here. Oh, I had another interesting question come in, and this one is from Carlene in Kentucky. And Carlene asks, does your husband still read to you? What books have you read, and can you recommend some? I love the idea. I asked my husband to read to me, but he thought it was a little odd. And he said I was old enough to read to myself. <laughs> Boy, that sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. Um, yes, you want to talk about them, Nancy? <laughs> well, I I know that my husband knows that that I can read to myself. However, it's he, he does still read to me, and a lot of people think that is kind of strange, but we no, really enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, do you I, like it, Rachel? I Rachel's? think it's very romantic. I always try to get Billy to read to me, and he I think he has once, but he doesn't really care to read out loud. <laughs> oh, well, have you ever thought of reading to him? <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. No, actually, I don't. The books that... The books that I read, he's not usually into that, but I guess I could get one of his books and read to him first. I think that's well, a good idea, see. Yeah, well, you know, that's kind of the trick, actually, is finding a book that you both like. That we both, and, yeah. But I've found that it's a really nice, quiet time for us to sit together. I really enjoy hearing the sound of his voice. Sometimes he stops and and we discuss, you know, a paragraph or two. And so yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of fun, you know, and, and it's a nice thing to do. Now, we personally love a really good mystery, and so we've read the Sherlock Holmes series, I think, in its entirety. And oh, wow. any book by James Harriet, we like mm-hmm. history. We recently finished the Robber Barons. Of course, memoirs, they're always a great choice. And no, I'm not going to recommend mine, although, well, sorry, not sorry. We can read that. But, uh, yeah, we also read Dakota Cowboy, and we are reading uh, Camp Rimini and Beyond, which is very interesting because that one's about World War II sled dogs that were trained in our area to work overseas. And, yeah, and it's it's very appropriate with with the anniversary of um, with D Day. You, you know, mm-hmm. I actually met the author of that book, Camp Rimini and Beyond, and I write about it in the in the book that I'm currently writing in my current manuscript. And he was such a fascinating man that I had to run out and quickly get the book and have him autograph it for me while while we were there. Because oh. it wasn't a book signing or anything. Yeah, I just happened to run into him at a museum, so it was really, really an amazing experience. Um, no, the Dr. Wore Petticoats was also. It, it was. It was really great. 
Um, so, I, you know, there's a lot of books that lots of different subjects that you can, you can look at and read, but it's true the trick is finding the one that, uh, you know, you like together. Do any of you all have some book recommendations that you can give to Carlene when she listens? Uh, not off the top of my head, I read like crazy, so and I like mysteries, but I can't. Okay, you like mysteries too, Randall? Any yeah. books that you might know about that you could recommend? No, I'm sitting thinking. I'm not right off the top okay. of my head right now. You can think, yeah, Kathy. Any books? <laughs> I really like to read um, biographies a lot about people. Okay, not biographies. Uh-huh. Do you happen uh, to have I a favorite? Yeah. Um, probably Carly P. Pratt. Mhm. Well that's a good one to that's a good one to recommend. Yeah. I I um I really enjoy history as well. And and of course the biography memoir style books have a real appeal for me. And Montana history I find particularly interesting. There's there's even some books about Montana women homesteaders who came out to the West all by themselves, not being married, not having a family, and how they managed to basically survive and and uh, prove up their land so that, that they could have it. That was during the homesteading time when you could get your 160 acres if you stayed on the property for five years So and made improvements on it. But can you imagine trying to do that? On their own, so I found that a fascinating book as well, and I, think I like I that. Love those books. Did you read that one? No, but I think I would really enjoy reading um, books like that. They are a really I good. I would too. Yeah, a girl from the gulches is another really good book about the migration west. And that one happens to be about the uh, gold and, and silver mining because, you know, everybody, you know, came west for the, big, for the big gold rush. So that one covers several years of this young girl's life as she was coming out and what their life was like. And that was interesting, too. Um, but did, did you know that actually the – the California gold rush, the one that everybody thinks of back in 1849, it wasn't really America's first gold rush. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, in That's fact. Why the, oh, go ahead. That's one of um, the things that the Cherokee lost their uh, land to was because uh, down in Georgia they found, they discovered gold. And, You're absolutely uh, right. The Indians thought they were re- just yellow rock, and uh, they thought they were nuts for wanting it, and ended up losing their most of the land. Got picked off. So what led to the Trail of Tears? Well, in 1828, you're right. There, there was gold that was discovered in Georgia, and Rachel, you'll think this is kind of interesting because one of the gold rushes was actually in North Carolina. And in 17, uh, looks like 1799, and somebody found it, didn't know what it was, 
I believe the name was John Reed. I think John Reed was the one that found it. But they they had no idea what they had found, and so they used this big hunk of gold-looking rock as a doorstop for several years. And so they, there was a visitor uh, um, that came, and he happened to be a jeweler, and he recognized it and said, this isn't a doorstop, this is a 17-pound piece of gold. This is a gold nugget. <laughs> and so the rush, the rush was on. And yeah, you bet you didn't know that. Are you going to start looking in your yard now every time you dig in your flower bed? <laughs> Yeah, you better tell Billy. Just keep looking when you're when you're uh, building those patios and planting those flowers, you know. Right. And if he brings something in and wants to use it as a doorstop, you better have a good look at it. Right. Well. <laughs> I bet that woman was really upset about losing her doorstop. (laughs) Well, yeah, until she probably found out how much the doorstop was worth, and then that may have changed her mind just a little bit. (laughs) I bet it did. Just a little bit. But, well, anyway, I just wanted to mention with to Carlene that, you know, perhaps in time uh, your husband will change his mind. And just like I, I mentioned to, to Rachel, maybe you could read to him. But the important thing is finding a book that, you know, that you're both interested in because it's really about kind of the experience and the bonding and sharing your ideas and your feelings. And it's just a nice way to kind of wind down for an afternoon or an evening. We actually turn out the lights, and my daughter made us the most beautiful wire sculpture in the shape of a horse. And she put those little tiny fairy lights and kind of wired it all around the shape. And so, oh. isn't that sweet? I know. She's so talented. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so we like to turn it on. And uh, my husband, Bill, he, he brings over my quilting lamp so he can position it right over the book and he can read the book. And, you know, I usually... Sometimes we sit together or sometimes I snuggle by the chair in the window and I just watch the stars and I listen to the story. And then, you know, I can look at him and I think, oh, I'm just so lucky to be in this moment in time. And it's just a really enjoyable experience and we have nice memories of it. So, so you know, if Billy's listening, maybe he'll give that a second try. And, and uh, yeah. you, guys, you guys can look for a book together. Don't make an idea. I'm listening. <laughs> You're listening? <laughs> yes, ma'am. It sounds wonderful. <laughs> well, I'm not trying to push you any push you into anything, Billy, but uh you might you know, you might like it. Well okay, well let's ask them. Billy, what book would you like? Is there a kind of book that you would be interested in? I have no idea really. <laughs> well he goes, I know that you're interested. What what kind There's, of things? You must have an interest. What is it? Jeeps. He likes Jeeps. Okay. <laughs> and well, I can tell you, there are lots of books about Jeeps. And do you know yeah. how I know that? How? Is my daughter is completely obsessed with Jeeps. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, your husband owns an old Jeep, right? 
I couldn't, I'm sorry, I couldn't quite hear you. Does your husband own an old Jeep as well? He does. He does. Yes. He has, oh, and I should know this. It's a CJ, what is it? Five. Bill, what is your Jeep? CJ5. CJ5, wow. CJ5, CJ7, CJ3. Uh, CJ, is there a 2A? Is that, <laughs> does that sound right? It's a real old one. It's a World War II one. Oh, wow. That sounds right. Like a, like yeah, a Willie's a, Jeep? Yes, that's the one. Yeah, the CJ, I think it's 2A. I might not be right about that, but it's, it's, it's a really old one. And they've worked on it and kind of gotten it fixed up. But we just use it around the property. And my daughter loves it. She's learning how to drive and loves to drive it around. So, Billy, I think that maybe you guys could find a book about Jeeps or a book about people who restore Jeeps or own Jeeps or whatever, and maybe you guys could sit down and read that together. I did have one gentleman that that, uh, wrote me and said that they go to a local park and sit at the picnic table, and they read. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of nice, too. And I encourage it. That way I'm not the only one. Right. Sounds like a good idea. Oh, Oh, great. Well, I did. Oh, do you you think you you guys are really going to try it? Yes, I think we are. Oh, good. Well, then you'll have to let me know. You can either call back on another show or you can just send me an email or something or through through Facebook, and you'll have to tell me what, what book you chose and if you like it because I encourage it. I just think it's a really wonderful experience. One of the best books, well, it stuck with me the most. There's a, I think her name is Debbie Maycomer or something like that. She's an author. And she wrote a wrote a book called Between Friends, and it's written like letters just between friends. So when you're reading the book, it's letters that they send to each other over the years of their life. And that, that was a good read. If anybody gets a chance to read that one, I really enjoyed that. Oh, good. Well, that okay. does sound like a good recommendation then. Yeah. And it's called Just Between Friends? It's called Between Friends, I think. And between it's by Debbie. Friends. Between Friends, and I think it's called, De- I think Debbie Maycomer is the author, something like that, okay. Debbie Maycomer. That's wow, that's nice. I'm always I like historical sagas, too. Do you like, his- do you um, like historical fiction, or do you like history? Uh, historical sagas. Okay, uh, yeah. A little bit of both, though, you know. Um I read a book once, and I can't remember who who wrote it or what its name was, was but it was about this uh, girl who went out west to take, there was a contest in Washington, D.C., the publisher of the, one of the major newspapers wanted to uh, have a photography contest, and he set three people out to get the most uh, compelling uh, picture of the West that they could come up with because uh, the West was just starting to be settled. And she went up into the Rockies and ended up going all over, clear down to Arizona 
and got the pictures of the Navajo and the Apache. Uh, and, but she talks about going at first into the uh, Rockies there near you. And the way she writes was just incredible. And I just wish I knew the name of the book or the author, either one, because I, that's one of those ones you could just reread. It, mm-hmm. it just really good. She talks about the uh, tin type and everything, how she had to have a separate tent and uh, help her to help her to develop the tin type, the photos and stuff. Oh, that's that true, actually happens. Yeah, of course, not having anything digital during that time, you would have to imagine yeah. the kind of equipment that you would have to pack with you in order to take the photographs. And then, like you said, you would have to develop them out in the field. So you would have yeah. to set up something that gave you, like, a a dark room or, or you know, something to that uh, in that way to yeah. get them developed. Wow, yeah, that does sound like an interesting story. Maybe when we get off the air, I'll I'll try to look something up on my computer and see if I can't find the one that you're talking about. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a good one. <laughs> it is. I highly recommend well, it if you can find it. Yeah, I'll I'll try to take a look. There's a lot of books about uh, people that that come and and settle the West. And there's a specific one about a photographer, and I know the first one, the name was Evelyn, and I'm trying to think. Let's see here. Evelyn Cameron, that's who I'm trying to think of. And I'm wondering, now she didn't come out for any type of a contest, but she did come west, and she was actually English. And she came out to the West and decided to settle and try to have a homestead. And when her homestead wasn't doing so well, she took up photography and was making money by by, uh, taking photographs of all the new families that came out. And they would take the photographs and they would send them back East so that their families could have them. So I'm wondering if it's along those lines. It's not the same book, but it might be one. Written by well, it's along those lines because she went as a secret, but she ended up uh, one time she came back in the town for supplies and things that she had to send these for, and they were wondering about all these chemicals and stuff that she was sending, and she confessed to the townspeople that she was taking pictures, and she took she set up a date. And and the townspeople gathered, dressed in their finest clothes and everything, and all cleaned up to take pictures. And they sent them back to their families, and just to hold on to too. Right, well. that was the purpose That's of them because often when when families separated, and they came from the east all the way out here across the country, they often never saw their families again. Because right. the travel yes. was, yeah, it was difficult and it was really hard. So what they did was they had these photographs taken, and they would send them back as as keepsakes. Of course, later in time, yeah. when they started having the railroad, 
and you could come out by train, then it was a whole lot easier because, you know, the the whole Wild West period was mm, about 1865 to 1895. So, you know, roughly a period of 30 years or so, that was that was really what was considered the Old West or maybe the Wild West, you know, with the cowboys and Indians and gunslingers and pioneers and outlaws and gamblers and prospectors and gunfighters. Um, so they, that, was a, that was the Wild West period, but it, it didn't last very long. And it, it calmed down relatively quickly once we started getting resources out to the West. They had, you know, the train coming, and you could get supplies, and you could get food, and then more families came, and then things were settled. Once the ladies showed up, you know, they wanted to have churches and schools, and um, they weren't going to let everybody just completely run wild like they did before. Um, do you do you know who who the most probably the most famous of gunfighters were? Any ideas? As a man or a woman? Uh, uh-huh. Billy the Kid. I was going to say Calamity Jane. Yeah, Bill, Bill, well, you know, Billy the Kid is on the list, but you know what? He's kind of far down the list. I know, that's the one oh. everybody thinks of. Or Wyatt Earp. Wyatt um, Earp, right. Yep, Wyatt Earp. He's, he's actually further on, on down, too. Wyatt Earp is number four, and Billy the Kid was was number six. Actually, oh. so it's uh, Clay Allison. Uh, Clay Allison is probably one of the most. Yeah, I know that's what I thought. Who, when I looked it up, but um, he's really—he was really unpredictable and had quite a violent temper, and so he was remembered as the most dangerous outlaws in the Old West. Um, I'll tell Tom you a Horn, piece of. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. What were you going to say? I was going to say. Um, the first train robbery happened here in Ohio, in southwestern Ohio, by Jesse James and his brothers. And I was didn't know it? that. Yeah. I, you know what? I didn't either. That was the first huh. train robbery. They but didn't yeah. get much, but... They didn't get much, huh? But they tried? <laughs> <laughs> they tried, and they it sparked the idea to uh on how they could stop the train better and and just progress from there. But yeah. Yeah, well, they were on our trains right later and got more stuff. I'm sorry, yeah. James, what? Didn't Jesse James rob other trains down the road and get a whole lot more stuff? That's the best idea. Oh yeah. The idea continued yes. to figure out well when the money was coming through. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, he, he was very, he, uh, he was very popular. He developed his uh, knack, yeah. <laughs> I'm doing it over and over again. <laughs> Practice makes perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's a lot. You know, the movies always romanticize all of all of the West, and that's what we think of when we when we think of it. You know, we think about oh, the 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 cowboy and Indians and and you know, the, the train robbers and stuff. and But, you know, um, if you're familiar with the first really popular film cowboy, uh, Bronco Billy, you've probably heard of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. 
he I was yeah. a, a star back in the early early 1900s. In fact, the Great Train Robbery was one of the films that he was in. But he really wasn't a cowboy at all. And once he got in to the movie and found that it was having a little popularity, he, you know, decided that he was going to really capitalize on this success. And so he sort of marketed himself as a film cowboy, but he really wasn't a cowboy at all. <laughs> he was he was the son of a traveling salesman from Arkansas. So. <laughs> Do you know that a lot of the uh, speaking of women uh, settlers and everything? Uh, mm-hmm. Do you know that a lot of the gunslingers actually uh, were women that dressed as guys and they cultivated a deep voice, and they were only found out when they got shot or injured or killed, and they uh, they had to go to the doctor or the undertaker. And that was when they were discovered, and that's the same as in the Civil War. The mm-hmm. women wanted to fight, but they weren't allowed, so they would cut off their hair and just watch the guy and go in and that, fight. That did happen. You're right. That did happen. There were also women outlaws who were actually very famous because they were women, and people yes. knew that they were women. And so they were, because it was such a rarity, because it was just such an anomaly, you know, to have a woman who would who would do anything, um, become an outlaw or do, you know, violence or anything. But, yeah, that's true. And some of the women did dress up like men and tried to hide the fact that they were women. And then there were others that were just blatantly obvious about the fact that they were. So, yeah. you know, it... When you're building a brand-new territory or area, you're going to have all different kinds of people come in for all different kinds of reasons. And some of them, you know, some of them want to get away and have a brand-new life to begin with. Some of them are hiding from the law. Um, You know, some of them have hopes and dreams of of their businesses. So it'll attract all different kinds of people for for, uh, various reasons to come in. But yeah, that's a good point. Well, back then, back then you couldn't have a woman couldn't have property. But I was surprised that women uh, sometimes could have a vote, depending in the town. Because before women were allowed to vote, there were actually women who ran for president. They would just themselves run for president and get other people to nominate them and uh, they ran for president as as early as the 18, late 1800s and I didn't know no, that I wasn't aware of that huh. no. yeah. I was it either yeah um, yep yeah. I know that I think it was in Iowa Iowa well, Illinois I know that when people came west they were always looking for ways to make money and make a living and a lot of people think oh well they made their money in gold but actually most of the people that came out to set up stores and shops and things like that they made their money in supplies or they made their money in actually oh, selling yeah. water water was you know a real commodity especially for when you were when you were moving out to 
the homestead areas that didn't have wells, a lot of people actually yeah. paid one to bring in their water. Oh, yeah, they can, so, you can get away without eating, but you can't get away without water. That's true. And so a lot of the, the you know, entrepreneurial spirit was people were selling water. They were also selling, uh, you know, tools and, and home goods and so that they could supply people to get what they needed when they came out for their new life. But, yes, water was water was one of the big ones. So it created basically a whole new business industry just wow. to sell water. Huh. That's fine. You even need the water on the river all the time. Well, you, a lot of times you didn't have a river that was handy, and uh, you couldn't use that. You had to drill. You know, you have to dig down into the well in order to get fresh water that is drinkable. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and if you were out in an area where there weren't any, then you had to rely on someone to, to, to pay them to bring water to you. So you can see where that would be. That would be a real moneymaker if, if you yeah. got you know, several homesteaders in an area that don't have a well, and then you would just make your rounds and deliver the water to them. So, yeah, it's it's actually pretty fascinating how people would come out with not a lot of resources and go ahead and give it a try. It, it, it was a lot easier for us, of course. I didn't have near the problems the Ingalls family did. Um, but <laughs> surprisingly enough, we had our own challenges trying to, get supplies up the mountain and trying to build a road in order to be able to traverse it and bring things up. Uh, so there's still challenges today, but they're not nearly as bad. Of course, the weather doesn't know that. The weather challenges me all the time. It doesn't care if it's the 1800s or, or the year that it is now, you know, 2019. It, it doesn't still, care. Are you still waiting for spring? We actually do have some spring, and I'm thrilled. We've had sun, and I'm so happy, and I'm outside, and the horses are happy. And I'll give you a quick update on the horses because we're just about out of time. The hour went so fast. But uh, Wilson can now open a gate, and he is so pleased with himself. Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh yes, he's he's so pleased with himself. You can just see it. And he's also he's teaching Star, who is our rescue horse. I don't know if you know about him, but he he was very badly abused and and was actually the sheriff seized him from the owners and he didn't have anywhere to go, so we took him in. And we've been trying to help him now for several months. It's been about oh what, six or eight months we've had him. And he's he's such a sweet boy, and he's quite attached to Wilson. And so now Wilson's teaching him things like how to open gates and how to stick your head in the tack room. And he's teaching him how to steal hats off your head. Nice. Isn't that, yeah, isn't that something? I'm going to have to get a video of that one day. But they're they're my my two, they're just two goofy. Mischievous yeah. boys. <laughs> they are. And of course, Whiskey, who is going to be 32, uh, this, My well, goodness. he's probably 32 now this summer. But he's so dignified and he's such a gentleman and he just would not lower himself to such horseplay. 
And <laughs> so when they're just goofing around and being all silly, and he just looks at them like, oh, please, a Morgan would never, you know, lower himself <laughs> to such behavior. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So it's been it's been a lot of fun having Star here and watching him improve and you know watching him grow emotionally and healing and it's it's been great and and I really do think the other two boys like having him here as well so it's working out just fine. They're herd animals, so they, the more the merrier. <laughs> well, you would just think so, not at first though. Yeah, it, it it takes them a while to get adjusted to each other. When when Star first came, and they were all fussing, and I thought, oh no, I hope I don't have to keep them separate forever, you know. And but over time, they start to get to know each other and begin to function as a herd to take care of each other. Star can now lie down on the ground, which he could never do when we first got him because he was so badly injured. But now he can lay down and get up, and I just noticed a, a while back that sometimes when he lays down, Whiskey will come over and he will stand guard over him. Oh, wow. Mm. And it's very sweet. So I just love the fact that they're beginning to look out for each other. And yeah. um, I've, oh, I've got time for one more story that's really cute. I'm watching my, my clock here. But, uh, we went to call them in. They were in, in the front pasture, and there's a little road that kind of turns the corner and goes down. Well, I went out to the front pasture, and I started calling them to come home. You can call them just like a dog, and they'll come to you. So I was calling. Well, Star came running. Wilson came running, but I didn't see Whiskey. I thought, well, that's unusual. So I'm standing in the yard, and I'm calling, Whiskey, and all of a sudden, Star looked up, and he threw his head back in a very Arabian fashion, because that's who he is, and he started whinnying just really loud, and he's calling for whiskey, and he's thinking, boy, you know, he'll come to my call. Well, whiskey didn't come. He didn't come around the corner, so he got really upset, and I called whiskey again, and then he threw his head back, and he called again. And when Whiskey didn't answer, he went around the corner, went and found him, and brought him back for me. Wow. <laughs> oh. That, that is sweet. So I just thought that was the sweetest thing, that yeah. he was looking over, and all of a sudden one of his, his herd members wasn't there, and he wasn't coming to the call, so Star stepped right up to the plate. The whole time this is going on, Wilson's face was in the grass. He was eating. <laughs> yeah. He didn't hardly even look up from his green grass. He just said, well, I get a few more minutes out of the corral, and I'm just going to eat. <laughs> and stars running around like a mother hen. <laughs> so it was just really, a really cute. It's, it's so fun to watch them together. Well, I really appreciate you guys calling. We've only got a couple more minutes uh, left on our time, so I just wanted to say a big thank you. Thank you to Randall and Kathy and Rachel thank you. and James and thank Cherokee you. Wolf. I really appreciate it that you guys would call in. Our next show 
is going to be July the 10th. I'm not going to do it on the 4th. Um, it came too close to 4th of July, so I just decided to um, back it up a week. So it's going to be July the 10th at our same usual time, which is 9 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Mountain. And, you know, in the meantime, I want to ask everybody who's listening to please visit my website, which is quinnwildlifeart.com, and look up information, you know, about the books and the art and my YouTube channel. Do hope you subscribe to it, High Mountain Homesteading. I am kind of trying to get that off the ground. The High Noon Tea episodes are there, too, so there's lots of good tea to be recommended, and I can answer more of your questions and So it's just been a really wonderful hour for me, and I'm looking forward to next month. So I wanted to say thanks from me. I'm Nancy Quinn, Montana Queen, Montana Lighthouse, Princess Montana, Princess Nancy, Angel of the Airways, and your mountain woman friend. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I think I, I think I got everybody. Okay, well you take care too, and thanks so much for calling in and having a chat tonight, and I hope to talk to you all again soon. It it means a lot to me that you would call in. So thank you, everybody, and I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. God bless you. Bye-bye. Okay, good, good night. Good night, Aunt. Good night. <laughs> thank you, Bob. Good night, Nancy. Talk to you later. <laughs> Bye. Good night. Good night. Good night from the West. Yes, ma'am. Good night from North Carolina. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Billy. You're welcome. Have a good evening. You too. I appreciate the call. Yes, ma'am. Okay.